everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I thought my life was going this way and it was really going that way. But then like also like parenthood, what a crazy Mm -hmm. adult transition. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was getting ready to go back to work because I had to go back to work at the time and just crying saying like, I don't care if we live in a cardboard box and eat peanut butter and jelly every day. Like I do not want to leave this baby. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. Because we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that's through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take those big leaps. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. And we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Marcus Ginyard. Marcus is a highly motivated, ambitious, charismatic professional determined to build a lasting legacy of success and service. He is a UNC basketball alum and has made his way around the world playing professional basketball overseas the last 10 years. He is empowered by making meaningful connections and strengthening local communities. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen. All right, let's get started. Well, I loved some of the points that he made. And I, I honestly, I just, I loved his openness, mm. like how open and honest mm. he was with where he's at in this phase in life. I can only imagine. Yeah. Like I, I thought about that the other day. Like what if we were to like say sell the Bradford or like shut down what we've built? It would be definitely an identity crisis. Like mm. what am I going to do with myself now? Hopefully we sold it for lots of money. So there will be some questions that are answered with money things, but- I just think there's yeah. so much of my identity and wrapped up in that business. I know we've talked about that before, but we've worked so hard for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we've done so much for it. It's kind of like a baby. Mm-hmm. Well, it's what you kind of said, like adult transitions and how hard they are. Like yeah. the transitions as adults are really hard. But I mean, just like we've spent like, you know, 16 years building C&D events, eight years building the Bradford. I mean, this person spent 31 out of 35 years of his life being a basketball player. I know. And I don't say that lightly because to play, I mean, I just on a very simple level that we're in AAU, we're on like, mm-hmm. we aren't on like the crazy, crazy travel AAU. Like it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work to practice, to maintain your skill. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of effort. And I think, okay, he spent 31 years building this career. And then all of a sudden it's, I don't know if it's all of a sudden, but then the decision, okay, it's time to transition yeah, and do something different. Like, I don't know. I I'm sure like, there's some grief associated with that. I'm sure. I mean, I think you alluded to that too. Yeah. Like just kind of going to that identity crisis and, you know, figuring it, figuring out like who he is, what he wants. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's what I really loved about him was just his openness and willingness to just be like, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like it's so like, I don't have it figured out. Right. And mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, because I think a lot of people feel, I mean, we fall in this category too, like you have to have this air of I've got it figured out in order for you to trust and 
have confidence in whatever it is that I'm saying mm -hmm. or doing or whatever, even though you really don't. I felt like he was very honest about really not having it figured out. I know. And so it just reminds me of that kind of imposter syndrome feeling mm -hmm. sometimes that you have, like, especially like as we're getting like more speaking gigs and stuff and we're preparing our speech for experience, which will have already probably happened by the time this is aired. The title is how to basically have your business stop running your life. So how to get out of the day to day. And we're like practicing it one day and our office manager's like, y'all need to listen to your own talk. <laughs> oh, no. Your business is running your life. And, and so I was like, haha, but which is the truth at that time. And, and we actually worked it into our talk. Just basically like, you know, just because you're good at something, just because you have the answer to this question, like, how do I, how do we get out of the day to day? And we know that answer. We know what to do. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have these periods of time that you are still lost a little bit and you yeah. kind of get off course a little bit and you get yourself back on. The difference is in the past, it would have taken us years to course correct. And right. now it takes us, you know, a couple months to course correct, well, you know? Yeah. But I think every, every business too, like in our defense, there have been times where the business wasn't running us for sure. But when you're in these periods of transition and your periods of growth, and I think we're in a big period of growth right mm -hmm. now, um, especially for C&D and Anthem mm -hmm. House and Hustle and Gather. So three of our four brands are mm -hmm. like in this growth period. It's not like that's going to go itself. You know what right. I mean? You've, you're in it. You're helping it grow. You're trying to transition it to scale it to where it needs right. to be. I felt like when she said that, it was when we, as I was like right around the time I was really working on the, the, the strategic planning portion of our talk. And I was like, you know what? I need to admit this, that we don't have it all figured out. In fact, six months ago, <laughs> our seeing events was ruling our life. Like, yes, it truly right. was. And we had to take a step back and say, how can we get this back to like this normal system that we yeah. need, right? And I think by I'm saying this, that's what I love about it is it's, it makes me feel less like an imposter to say, like, yes, I, I know what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. I, I know how to do this. But also, like, I still have to heed my own advice. I still have sure. to look back and, and recognize that I'm not immune to this just because I know how to fix something doesn't mean I'm immune to the problems. Well, cause I, I think know? too, it's, it's like scope creep, it like creeps up on you. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know that it's happening until you're in the middle of it right. and you're like in this great sense of overwhelm. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, when we talk about that kind mm -hmm. of, okay, it's time to hire this out or scale this back or right. it's creeped up on me. Right. Right. But yeah. But that's what I loved about it. Him is I felt like I think probably by most people on the outside, maybe would assume he had this, his great career. He has a great job now and has it all figured out. And really, you know, mm -hmm. to the root of it, it's, he's still, he's still searching, staying curious about it all. Yeah. I like, I like how you bring that back to how he's talking about those adult transitions are hard. Mm -hmm. And I think those adult transitions are hard. Yeah. What's been your hardest adult transition? Being an adult. <laughs> Going from 18 to 19? What? Or yeah. <laughs> 17 to 18? No. <laughs> no, that was super hard. Like I was, know for you specifically. I know for me specifically, it was very hard after mm -hmm. graduating from college. And I wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I took the MCATs. And I did fairly well in starting that process. And then I had a lot of doubt. Like, I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do or if that's what I should do. And I was actually watching Oprah and there was all of these past doctors who were in the event industry mm. at the time. Like one was a baker, one was a designer, like a wedding dress designer. Mm. I think it was a vision of my future. I don't really know. But it made me think like, am I going to commit eight to 16 years of my life to something I don't know if I, that's mm. what I want to do? 
But just like Marcus, I had my whole life mm-hmm. told everybody that's what I was going mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. I, I had a degree in biology. You know, like mm-hmm. I, that's what I was going to do. And I did well in it, you mm-hmm. know. So there was definitely like that moment, that adult transition that was hard where it was like, but that was oh, more like, who am I going to be? I the, was an identity crisis. That was like 2021 though. The 2021? identity crisis. When you were 20. Oh, I'm like 20. 2021. No, I was, that was last year, Dana. No, when you were age 20. <laughs> when I was age, age 20, 20 to 21. Is yeah. when you had your identity crisis. Yeah, for sure. It was, and it, so that adult transition was you deciding officially yeah. you weren't going to medical school. Yeah. And you were going to do something oh, else. Lots of crazy things happened during that time. I cut my own bangs. It was a bad, really <laughs> it low wasn't time. Your bangs, it was your whole head of hair. My whole head of hair. And everyone's like, we need to intervene. Courtney's gone off the ledge. And I had. It's true. It's, true. <laughs> it's totally true. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was super hard. And I think it was because I'd always, I thought my life was going this way and it was really going that way. But then like also like parenthood, what a crazy mm. adult transition. Mm. Like I had all of these like ideas of like how I was going to be a parent and how I was going to feel. And for me, I really felt like I was going to be about my career. Like the, mm. I was going to have this kid, but I was going to be fine leaving this kid with whomever, whatever. And I was going to continue on in my career path. And I had this baby. We all know what happened then. I was psychotic. Mm. Like I thought that Everybody wanted to steal my baby. I never wanted that baby, like, out of my sight. I wanted to, like, lord over whatever my baby consumed. Like, I was very into all of that. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was getting ready to go back to work because I had to go back to work at the time. And just crying, saying, like, I don't care if we live in a cardboard box and eat peanut butter and jelly every day. Like, I do not want to leave this baby. And I was shocked that those words came Mm -hmm. out of my mouth. That's how I felt at that time. Mm -hmm. Did not feel that way with like baby two or three, but that first baby like really kind of rocked my world. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'd say the biggest one's probably motherhood. Yeah. I think that was the biggest one. But I think for me, it wasn't being a mother. I think it was a change it brought to our family that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't wait as long. We were only like, we only married for three years before we got pregnant and we had a wonderful three years. I mean, I remember, I remember a couple months before getting married you have to go to all these like counseling things, like premarital counseling. And then people would say, they'll talk to you like, oh, the first year marriage is so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. So I was like anticipating this really terrible year that was going to be so hard. And it was like the most fun we ever had together. Like mm-hmm. it was so much fun. Like we just really enjoyed each other and there wasn't anything hard about it. It was super easy. And I feel like we just delayed it to year four mm-hmm. when we had a baby. And it just brought out every single difference that we were between us, like how we were raised, how we want to raise our children, like how we want to be parents, how present we want to be, like all those things. And they did not align Mm -hmm. with what the other wanted. So it was really, it was probably like the darkest days of our marriage, I would say. And that's really hard. That's really hard for me because Sam's always been like a cornerstone, a pillar of my life. Mm -hmm. And to see that starting to like kind of crumble a little bit was like, almost like an identity crisis in a way of, yeah, you know, and I thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home parent. Mm-hmm. And so I like begged and begged and begged while I was pregnant to be able to stay home. And it's like, this is what I want to do. I'll, we, we talked about budget. We were making hardly any money. We were living paycheck to paycheck basically. And but we figured it out and I like coupon and all this stuff. And I resented the hell out of it. <laughs> Like, I just remember I laid in the bed. I think Ada was, like, seven weeks old, eight weeks old. 
And I had to go back and finish a few weeks of school. Like I had to finish out the school year. And I just remember thinking, I cannot wait to pass this baby off Mm because she was just so hard. It was just so hard. She cried all the time and I don't know. It was Mm -hmm. just a mess. And I never actually really was a true stay-at-home parent because that was when I was like, oh, well, I worked for dad for did accounting for dad. And then I was like, Hey, let's just see if we can actually like make C and D events like a thing, mm-hmm. you know, and let me put all my energy into that. So like I hustled the shit out of that. And I don't know, but I thought I, it's what I wanted and I didn't, but I didn't really have an identity crisis about that. I was fine that I was wrong about that part. Yeah. But you know, it was definitely like being a mom was really hard. Yeah. It was very hard. Yeah. It's all transitions. They're tough. They're yeah. tough. Yeah. Well, I kind of getting into like his life in general. One, I loved at the end when you asked him what was his kind of career, life career biggest moment. And he talked about going to Germany and how at that point he decided to dive into life, which I can only imagine. Like I can just see it as like, all right, like I had this plan. I was going to play for Charlotte and that clearly wasn't going to work out. So you just let, you just let down. He so emotional about it. He just seemed very much like. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he, I think he kind of felt like the writing was on the wall. Like right. he knew it before yeah. it happened officially. And then this kind of opportunity comes up and it's like, all right, well, maybe that's like my next best thing. But it's just kind of like, I can imagine you're, all right, I'm going to strap into this roller coaster mm-hmm. and you're at the top of the hill and you're just going to let it fly. Mm-hmm. Like, and when I, when I think about diving into life, I think about that. Like, I'm just going to, walk into the opportunity that he's obviously created for himself, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't like anyone called me and asked me if I wanted to play for like a German basketball league, right? Never happened. Right. So he obviously did all the work to get that opportunity. But when it presented itself, yes, I'm just going to dive in and see where life takes me. Well, what I I think, and I think he was pretty, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like where he really did dive fully in. Mm -hmm. You could tell that he became a part of that community. He really like we became a European, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't this American traveling Europe, which you can spot those people from a million miles away, but he really adapted to that lifestyle and really bought into that lifestyle. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine how shocking it would be to come back, you know, and I know he talked about how as Americans, we move so fast, like yeah. we're so fast paced and there's things that just are shocking, realize that isn't shocking because it's probably how it was before, but that he forgot that this was a normal way of life of mm-hmm. how much we drive, how much we don't take time to like eat our meals in like a leisurely fashion. We're about and to have ours in a car. We were about to have our lunch in the car today. <laughs> yes. I mean, all that stuff. And I, I love that he just, it's, he truly dove into it. He, yeah. he, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, make some money and just do my thing. It's like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to like, I'm going to travel. I'm going to be like part of this country and, you know, do it. I love that so much. Which I think got to round to the conversation of like being fully present. Yes. Being fully present. But like how hard it is to be fully present. present. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do believe, I I think that there is that, I think you said it right, like compartmentalizing, but I also feel like and and maybe I'm lying to myself. Like maybe probably I am lying to myself, but I, <laughs> I also feel like there is this thing that we have taught the consumers of America uh-huh. that they have a hundred percent access to us all the time. It, which is, I mean, I think is true to some degree and like, I hate it on one end, but then on the other end, I think about 
why is Molly so successful? Why is because Molly such a successful salesperson? Because she's available 24 hours a day. Because she is like the early bird gets the worm mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. She makes sure that they're and you and you have automations and like things put in place, but she's always like that personal touch like right away. And mm-hmm. it's and I hate that that's true. Do you know what I mean? No, I know. But that, I bet it's because we are conditioned to to think that. We are conditioned to say like oh, well, they took a week to get back to me. Must mean they don't really want my business. Well, no, maybe they had other things going on in their life. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that your business isn't important. It just meant something else was more important than this email that you've just written. But yeah. you can't say that to somebody. You can't say that to a client. I know. No matter no matter what industry you're in, mm-hmm. like no matter what. But I think the other big theme from our talk with Marcus was reinvention. Mm-hmm. And it really made me think about how do you reinvent yourself Especially when it's something you've done for so long. Yeah. I think it's really hard. No, I do think it's really hard. Well, I think... I think it's really brave. It is super brave because I think that you spend so much of your life crafting a particular image, Mm -hmm. like some way that you want to be perceived in a way that people perceive you. And then when you go through reinvention, like a series of reinvention, you're basically calling yourself a liar. Like, oh, that, that's not who I was. That's not mm-hmm. who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it is hard. I really yeah. do think it's hard. I don't feel that harshly about it. I don't I don't look at reinvention as me saying I'm a liar. I think reinvention is me as growing. It and is realizing growing. that this is, and I loved, he said it very early on the podcast. Like, you do something that serves you, and then until it doesn't service you, you let it go. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think re- reinvention is. And I think sometimes it it's comes with shame, especially yeah. if it's a quick reinvention. Yeah. And sometimes I think it comes with, you know, it's a necessity for like your mental health and it's how you survive. Yeah, sure. I think that as well. But I think it's, I think reinvention is so hard in general. Like, I don't know if I could ever reinvent myself and do anything different. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe in ever in general. Like, I'm just not a. I know you're not an ever person. I don't like the ever. Mm -hmm. That would bite you in the butt, honestly. Mm -hmm. No, I, I always think about when I think about reinvention, it reminds me of that Taylor Swift song. She says, there's happiness. There's happiness because of you. There's happiness, like, in spite of you. And, like, both of these things can be true. And then she talks about, like, if if she could forgive whatever happened. I don't even know what the song's about 100%. I believe it's on Evermore. It is on Evermore. But she says, I haven't met the new me yet, Mm -hmm. but I think she can give you that. Right. And I love, like, whenever I'm, like, in this, like, period of transition, that's, like, the the part that's going in my mind is like, I, well, I haven't met that new girl yet. Like she, she, she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but maybe I'd like to think that. I'd, right. Like I'd like to think this per, this new person would forgive you, but I don't know yet. I haven't mm-hmm. met her. Right. And I think about that when I think about like, like reinvention or transitory times in our in my life and whatnot. Because I can get very focused on the future. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very future focused, and honestly, and I to wind myself back like I don't know what that person wants I haven't met that person yet and I can get very in my head about like how old my kids are getting and like Mm. what's it going to be like Mm -hmm. when my kids are in college or when they're driving or when they're all of those things and it's like I think reinvention sounds scary until maybe you're in the middle of it and and you're ready Mm. for it do you know what I mean yeah, but I mean, it, it, it goes back to, too, when he was talking about the question of, like, where do you want to be in five years? I, I think reinvention for him is almost like a like a core value of his life. He taught because mm-hmm. he's it's all about growing. And I loved, 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 loved that about him so much, like his growth mindset. And even going back to you think about 
we don't know the story about where, how he accepted UNC, but I'm sure, you know, making that decision, he said was also very impactful. The decision to go overseas was very impactful. Mm-hmm. His decision to come back home was very impactful and to try yeah. all these different things. Like, I think that that, that desire to continue to be better. And it's not just be better because I want to make more money, but it's be better because I want to be a better person. Like I want to leave that world better than I, than I came into it. Like I, I just respect that so much. Mm-hmm. And I loved, I just loved that part of his story. Just that drive to be, to be something to somebody else. Yeah. Like it's so selfless. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a world of selfish people, it's very refreshing. Yeah, but don't you think that being on a sports – I don't think every person that's on a sports team is like this. Obviously not. But I think being on a sports team where so much of your success is dependent oh, upon yeah. the people around you, it kind of gives you a more communal mindset. Yeah, we were literally just talking about this with Ada the other day because she had a tournament and she had a sleepover the night before. So she was like – and I told her, you have a tournament, don't go to bed too late. Of course she didn't listen. So she's like dragging mm-hmm. and being her 12-year-old tired self. The first game, she just – was off like and so and so naturally the rest of the tournament they still played her but she wasn't playing the same amount of time that she normally did and I was like you really got to prove yourself that you like want to be there or whatever and and she turned it around or whatever well we're in the car and we're talking and I was we were talking about the game and I was like you did a good job she's like yeah but I wish I could have helped more I was like yeah you know how you could have helped more is by cheering more for your team like you're kind of like out like Mm -hmm. not checked in and then also the fact that you decided to make a decision to sleep, to go to bed late, wake up early, be lethargic and not ready for your game made it so that some players had to play more mm-hmm. than they maybe should have because you weren't mentally prepared to play that game. Right. Like, and not to like shame her for it, but just to show her how she is not insignificant to the cog of the team. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. you have a, a, a role to play no matter what it is. Right. And, and I think it was like the first time and all the parent lecturing that I feel like all I ever do to my preteen <laughs> is lecture. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so annoying. And You're like a constant PSA. You're like <sighs> a constant after-school special. It's I true. Swear. It's so true. I <laughs> tell feel me it. these conversations, and I'm like, oh, huh, that's a valid point. I think I heard that in the 1980s at the after-school special. But all that to say <laughs> is that she – it's like it clicked with her. Mm-hmm. Because I think for so long, even in, like, rec sports or, or, or even just in anything, kids are just told that – your like your job is just to be good. Your job is to be the best. Yeah. And you're going to get played if you're the best. And yeah, you want to help your team out and that helps your team. But if you're sitting on the bench, or if you're not the number one, then you're not significant to the team. And that's just not the truth yeah. at all. Like at all, at all. Like mm-hmm. everyone has a part to play in it. You know, so then we were talking about she has, she's at camp this week and she has a tournament on Saturday. So she's going to miss practice again this week. And I was like, you probably should pick basketball as one of your activities so you could actually touch a basketball this week so you could be present and a good teammate you have four other activities three other activities you can choose from Mm -hmm. like you've done arts and crafts every single year for four years you make the same arts and crafts project Mm -hmm. you know what you're gonna do on monday you're gonna do on tuesday you're gonna do on wednesday but she probably loves that oh she loves it because it's this sort of thing but yeah so we talked about it and she made a plan and then she felt really good about it and um i'm curious and anxious to see her on saturday and see if any of my words actually transferred from one Saturday to the next. We'll see. But (laughs) But anyways, all that to say is I love that. And I love that he kind of took that team mentality and has turned it into his worldview. Yeah. That the only way that the world is going to get better is by being a great teammate. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love how he kind of 
segued that team mentality and what it what it takes to become a to be a great athlete to mm-hmm. uh, you know business and mm-hmm. the world at large where he was mm-hmm. talking about being uh, elite athlete taught him the power of like teamwork mm-hmm. and work ethic mm-hmm. and how important your team culture and your support yes. team is right yes. and how to deal with losses right and how right. to get back up from that mm-hmm. and keep going which i think is like when you're talking about entrepreneurship and you're talking about the business world mm-hmm. It's key. I know. Yeah. I mean, I've always said that. Like, I'm, you're only as strong as, like, your weakest link, mm-hmm. you know, like, on your team. And, I mean, you're not going to win the first time. And he said that. Like, you're not going to win right away. Right. And it feels like that in business often. Like, right. you're not winning right away. Right. And there's so many times that you are just throwing something out there and mm-hmm. seeing if it sticks and then micro-adjusting it the next time and seeing if that works better mm-hmm. and then micro-adjusting. And I don't know. No one knows the backstory but you, though. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like, no one knows that you're making those adjustments, and this right. is your, they're on version Z that they're seeing. Mm-hmm. To them, it's the first, what it's always been. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot of parallels between like being well, but on a I team think and, I think his success truly lies into the fact that he believes in community. Yeah, because I think that no matter how much you feel like you're failing, or if you do fail, you have that community to to go back on. And that's one of the things I really loved about his story is how much he embraced his community in Europe, how much it coming back, like his top goals and dreams is to be someone in his community, to be someone in his alma mater, to, mm-hmm. you know, be something in the broker firm he's working at, you know what I mean? Like be a part of that community. And he's just embraced those different parts of, of the community. And I made me be curious to think of like, what community have you like fully embraced? Well, I would probably say like our school, like we've Mm -hmm. supported a lot of the school functions and whatnot. I was the school treasurer last year. You're not it anymore? On the PTA, no. Oh, yeah, the school year ended. The school year has ended. That's true. Uh, So I did that. So I felt like I, I feel like in the capacity that I could be supportive, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been supportive in that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you've been more into like the NACE, our NACE Mm -hmm. community, our Mm -hmm. event community. You've kind of fully embraced that and- Drink the Kool-Aid, which you, I mean, you might be drinking a little less of it now, but I'm saying at some point, I feel like you're eyes deep into that community. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was definitely when we first joined, it was more of like a, a ladder climbing situation Mm -hmm. for me. But I think when the pandemic hit, it doesn't feel that way anymore at all. No, no, no. But the way when the pandemic hit, it became more of a true, this is what we need. This is how we survive. More service oriented. It, It squarely feels that way to me. Yeah. Yeah, into the community. And I don't know. It feels good to be part of something. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe we'll be in a different community in the next four to five years. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, well, I guess before we end and talk about our fuck up of the week, (laughs) uh, this really reminded me of how teams are so key Mm -hmm. and integral to our success and so important so that we have just recently launched. I think it was literally the week that we're recording this that we are letting it go live. Mm -hmm. Our team hiring guide, like, Mm -hmm. which is all about kind of getting your back-end structure in place to be ready to hire those kick-ass teams Mm -hmm. uh, that are going to take you to where you want to go. And then a little bit of the logistics of how to interview and Mm -hmm. how to create a job description and a contract and whatnot uh, that we think is super relevant to this topic. Yeah, there's definitely like, there's a portion of it that's very practical. Yeah. It's all practical. There's one part that's very like hands-on, tangible. And then there's the other part of it where it's really diving deep into understanding what your value system is. Make sure you're bringing someone on that has that same value system, understanding who you are. Because I think a lot of us, we say this often, yeah, don't 
go to school to be a leader or a boss right. or a manager and you kind of fall into it and you there's all these just things that you about yourself that you've kind of built these walls around because you don't want people to know like whether it's because you are super particular which is totally me or because maybe you realize that you are way too flighty and have ADD or whatever the case may be you've built these walls around it and you're trying to convince these employees that you aren't that which just in our opinion in our experience has led to lots of failure. Mm -hmm. So it just really helps you confront those things and recognize that those things about you is what makes you a great leader. If you just like kind of harness the power of it and recognize that's what it is. And there's going to be an employee that loves that about you and it's going to thrive under you for that. And so finding those matches, I think is where it is. So the the first part's pretty heavy. It's pretty meaty. Yeah. Um, And it kind of goes through all that pre-hire stuff. And then the second part gets you down to the practicality. Okay. Here's questions you should be asking. Here's some red flags. Here's how you make a job description. Here's how you do a job offer, contracts, right. onboarding schedule, right? so on and so forth. Yeah. So go check it out on go our website. Check it out on hustleandgather.com. Yeah. All right. Fuck up of the week. Can I can I say someone else's fuck up that wasn't mine that made me quite upset about yeah. my week? Okay. So mine is my car. Okay. <laughs> Sam hit the deer after owning the car for three months, and then it took like four months to get it fixed. Right. Well... I think it was right before the deer or right after the deer, a rock also hit my windshield and like created a little divot in it. And at the time it wasn't a big deal. And I didn't know this all PSA out there is most of the time, if you have this coverage, you can just go to a place and they'll fill it before it cracks for free. Does it cost you anything? But I didn't know that. So this was like one day it was like hot and then it got really, really cold and it was raining. And so water got in it. It like froze and it cracked the windshield. So they had my car and I called in a claim for my windshield at the same time. And I said, Hey, can you go ahead and replace the windshield? They're like, Oh yeah, sure. That'll be no problem. So when I go pick up my car, I still have a crack in my windshield. They're like, Oh yeah, well, actually we can't do that. We have to order the window because it's a special window, whatever. So I put the claim in again and get it all worked out. This was like in May. So then like, and they're like, Oh, we have to order. We'll let you know when it comes in. And I just forgot about it because I just, it's on the passenger side. So I'll never really see it that much. Mm-hmm. And so it was like two weeks ago, I was like, oh, this should have come in by now. Like it's been like, I don't know, a couple months. So I call and the person's like, oh yeah, it's been here for about a month and a half, just sitting here, this window. And I was like, she's like, oh, they were supposed to call and they never did. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I'm really sorry. We'll get you in next week, which was yesterday, Wednesday. So she's like, you're going to, this thing, mind you, this place is in Wilson, and I was like, I'm not driving to Wilson. She's like, oh, no, we'll come to Cary. I was like, okay. She's like, drive your car to Cary. Meet, we'll meet you there at 8 a.m. Okay, great. So I go to Cary. It's the same place. Like, I go in there. It's 8 a.m. I did not sleep the night before. I've had, like, a hell of a week. So I, my patience is all – I already told Sam the day before I was feeling very ragey. Mm-hmm. So my patience is very low. And I go in there, and the person's like, I can't find you. Your name's not in here. And I was like, I have this text message. Like, look, it's a text message saying, like, like confirming my appointment. And she's like, yeah, we don't, we can't service Audis here. And I was like, what? Like, why would they maybe come here if they can't service Audis? And she, and I said, well, I I told her it was a windshield. She's like, oh yeah, we can, we can calibrate them. I was like, okay, fine. Well, my glass is going to fix her. She's like, oh, we don't have you on the schedule today, blah, blah, whatever. So I have to call the place, which takes almost 30 minutes to get somebody on the phone. And I was like, hey, I'm at this place. They don't have my name. And she's like, oh yeah, because we just rented out a bay. 
for to do the thing and the tech is going to get there and then they'll calibrate it. We just didn't want the tech to come to your house to fix it. And then you'd have to drive to carry to get it calibrated, blah, blah, whatever. I was like, okay, fine. So I go back in there and tell this person and she will not take my keys. She will not take it. She's like, your name is not on this bay. And I was like, but do you see the name of this person, this technician from this place on the bay? She was like, yes. And I was like, it matches my phone. And so I was like, can you call somebody? She's like, I can't call anybody. It's like, you can't call anybody. Mm-hmm. You can't call like your boss. You can't call like the, this. You don't have like an internal thing. She's like, no, I don't have anybody's phone number. And she's like, do you mind stepping away from the desk so other customers can be helped? I was like, what other customers? I'm the only person <laughs> in here. <laughs> so I had the person still on hold, thankfully. I had to hand my phone over and they had to confirm that this person was actually going to be here to take my car, to fix my car so that she would take my keys so I could leave and I go to work and say, I'm going to work. So then she gets off the phone and she's like, I'm really sorry. I was like, I am not in a mental state to accept your apology right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just take my car. (laughs) I was so mad. (laughs) I was so, so, so frustrated. Yeah. So frustrating. That does sound so frustrating. Everything about that car getting fixed has been so frustrating. frustrating. Now I'm like, I am like panicked. Anytime anyone gets too close to my car, I was like, oh my God, don't have my car. (laughs) Never never get behind trucks. There's another rock's going to hit my thing. Uh-huh. all I know, it's going to be a big freaking pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, I did too. And I thought it was good. a great, great, great person. Yeah. So. Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Marcus, we are drinking an old-fashioned. We hope you get the chance to make it this week, and cheers to diving into life. To learn more and connect with Marcus, you can visit him on Instagram at mg1nyard or visit his website, marcusginyard.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustle & Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and you love this show, we would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.